Again, I want to brag on our people. Uh, our, we had one of the best Sunday school attendances we've had in years during stewardship month. Most of the time when you talk about money, everybody stays home. But Brother Jim tricked them this year and uh, had a football uh, football uh, campaign and it worked good and I had the best adult attendance and best Sunday school attendance. And uh, I guess you averaged over 200 on buses every week, didn't you, Brother Jim? And just scores of people have been saved off the buses. And, and I'm glad of that. Amen. Got a bus driver back there trying to make a whole year and not miss one single Sunday. How many does he like, Jim? How many you like? You, you, you finished it last week? Okay. This time he's going to do it for two years. You, you know, God, God just don't do anything common and, and ordinary and just repeat. So, Brother Phil, I guess it's two years this year and then three years next year. and Maybe the Lord will come back and it'll all be done. All right? So take your Bible and join us tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, in that uh, chapter, we'll, we'll find a, a message for us tonight. And boy, I tell you, you remember I preached Sunday morning on let's prepare for a miracle. You remember that? Wasn't that a great thought when uh, Andrew went to that little boy and he said, son, what do you have in your hand? The Lord needs something. And he said, five loaves and two fishes. Wasn't it something Andrew could say, young man, you've got the makings of a miracle in your hand. The makings of a miracle. You know, you may be raising a miracle. Somebody that will turn this world upside down for Christ. Amen. Right today, you might be so mad at them, you want to squeeze their heads off like a pimple. But do you know, you may have the makings of another Dwight L. Moody. Yeah, yeah. You might have the makings of another Billy Graham. The makings of a Chris Well, John R. Rice. You know, you just never know. You're working with a miracle. A possible miracle. Y'all pray God would keep your children safe and pure and clean and doctrinally straight as a string. They don't have to get in trouble. They don't have to be like the prodigal son. I don't know where we've got the idea. We've got to be an ex Marine who rides motorcycles with tattoos on her nose to be an evangelist. Bless God, you good kids can be evangelists and preachers too. Amen. Amen. Has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach on. I just thought I'd throw that out there too. Amen. Tell your kid, please don't do anything in this town or around this church to make you lose your testimony. You know, I mean, just... Just breed that into them. Just, just tell them you don't have to be like everybody else. Tell them God needs leaders. God needs thinkers. God needs pioneers. God needs people who are willing to step out and keep a going and not give up and not just get satisfied. Oh, well, I got to preach on something else tonight. Take your wood Bible, if you would, please. Second Corinthians chapter number 12. And I've kind of put a little, uh, a little, little title God's Fool. Remember I tell you about that guy walking down the street in New York City with that sandwich 
sign on him. And as you approach him, it says, God's a fool for Christ. And you kind of jeer and laugh at it. And you go by the way and turn around and you read, whose fool are you? Because we're all going to be somebody's fool. We're going to be a fool for Christ. Or fool for this whole world and food for the devil. Tonight I want to talk to you about a preacher in paradise. (laughs) A preacher in paradise. Let me read for you now just 13 verses. You follow along and uh, then we'll go back and we'll we'll, we'll discuss those verses if you would please. Verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. If you were caught up to the third heaven, could you keep it in for 14 years? No, so you'd run around bragging about it just like I would. The Apostle Paul said 14 years ago, I was caught up to the third heaven. I actually went to heaven. And I have kept it quiet for 14 years because somebody might think I was braggadocious if I mentioned it. Let's go on. And I have such a, and I knew such a man Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Just think about the word paradise. What would be paradise to you? Kings of the Orient had gardens, beautiful gardens. And zoos and things that they could just walk through. And they had all the world outside, but they had a paradise in the gardens. The Bible called Eden a paradise. And the book of the Revelation said that they ate the trees in the garden of God's paradise. Paradise. Can you imagine? In your own mind, would you just define paradise? Paul said, I saw it. Would you be a better Christian if you could spend a little time in heaven and then come back? That wouldn't be faith, though, would it? That'd be sight. And I heard words that was unspeakable. Unutterable. There were words in the Orient that they left the vows out and they were unpronounceable without the vows. They would not pronounce Jehovah. They left the vows out and it's Yahweh. So when they came to the name of God, it was not even pronounceable or utterable because the name was so holy and reverent. That the Jew just went over it and saw it and would not pronounce it. Unutterable words 
that it was impossible to utter. And if it was possible, it was not permissible. The law would not allow it. Pretty good, huh? Of such a one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say all the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, fellas, that's not your wife. And wife, that is not your husband. Given to him. Paul had a gift from God. Now the faith healers have a problem with this verse. Because they'll preach if you're not healthy, wealthy, and wise, you're not saved. And Paul here says, I have a gift from God. A thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Buffet means to be hit with a clenched fist. That sounds really exciting for me. Ain't serving God at all. I wonder... If we'd miss any services, if we had that thorn. What about those folks that's not here tonight because they've got a big thorn. They've got to get up in the morning and go to work. What about those folks that profess to be saved on our rolls? I wonder what thorn they've got tonight. And I wonder where it came from. Let's read on. The Bible said, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, I don't think I'll take you a thorn. I think I'll give you something else. And he said unto me, quit praying. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength, God said, is made perfect. And weakness. Just a footnote. What the church at Corinth was accusing Paul of, of being weak. God said, that's what made him what he was. Because he was weak. He had the power of God on his life and that's why you exist. So you need to tell old so-and-so who's staring up at trouble and needs to shut his mouth. <laughs> because... Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I will take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I'm become a fool in glory in You've you've compelled me, he said, 
For I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein ye were in fear to other churches, except it be that I myself didn't take a salary from you? Forgive me this wrong. That's nice, ain't it? I don't think preacher ought to get paid. I don't think you ought to get paid. I think you ought to work for nothing. Just because you love your employer. Paul thought it foolishness to have to vindicate himself and boast of God's blessings to prove that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so I noticed verse 21 of the last chapter, that'd be chapter number 11. Notice verse 21. The Bible said, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. Howbeit wherein we've been in, in, in my boldness, I speak how foolishly I am bold also. And then he asked the church some questions. Notice what he says. He, he, he asked the church questions because, oh, so-and-so from down at Jerusalem had been running around bragging of his credentials and bragging of his preaching ability and mixing in a little little law with grace. And, and the Judaizers got his little click over here and they're all running Paul down. And Paul said, by the way, are they Hebrews? Sure he's a Hebrew because he's a Judaizer. Paul said, so am I. Are the Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Uh, Paul said, I think I've just got to vindicate my apostleship. And he asked his critics these questions. And tonight, through his suffering, he's going to show us his commitment to Christ. Notice, if you would please, in the first place, Paul's thrill. You know, every once in a while, I think every Christian needs a little thrill. Because we come to church and it don't look like we've had one in a while. And most of us wouldn't know how to act if we had one. I noticed when Brother Paul, when Brother Eubank stood up a while ago and just did this, a lot of you looked and said, I wonder if he's got something in his pants. I wonder if he is sitting on something. You know, Gypsy Smith, one of the greatest soul winners ever to grace the face of the earth, was asking his old age, said, how in the world can you say so energetic and so enthusiastic after souls? He said, because I have never lost the wonder of it all. Did you get that? I've never lost the wonder of it all, the wonder of being saved, the wonder of being uh, being sealed, the wonder of being forgiven, the wonder of being a child of the King. Never lost the wonder of it all. I wonder, have we lost the wonder of it all? Yes, 
Remember that right after you got saved, maybe an hour or two after you got saved, maybe the next day after you really realized what has transpired in your life, the birds sounded better, the sun was brighter, the world wasn't so stinking rotten, and you was kind of glad you was alive. And after a few working days, fighting the devil for three or four days, we kind of lose the wonder of it all. And Paul said, I want to tell you, the church is down on him. The church was ridiculing him. The church was doubting his apostleship, doubting his power with God. And he says in verse number one, it is expedient for me doubtless to glory. He said, you force me. To say what I'm about to say. I've kept it private. Just between me and God. For 14 years. I've never whispered it. To one person. But your. Grievous action. And you falling away from grace. And you ridiculing and doubting. My leadership. Paul said. I'm not one to brag. Because I think it's foolishness to brag. If you have anything to say, you ought to say it about Christ. And we believe it's the solution for 2013 because we preach Christ, not ourselves, but Christ crucified. But Paul said, you've made it expedient for me to tell you some things. And by the way, let old so-and-so hear this too. You've made it expedient that I do this. And he says, as the common, as it was common at that day, at many times the preacher or the teacher would speak in third person. Not second person, but third person. I know a man above 14 years ago in the flesh. I do not know and out of the flesh. I do not know. Paul's talking about himself. I think when Paul was stoned to death at the gates of Lystra and they stoned Paul to death and took him outside the city and threw him down. I think Paul actually went to heaven. And he said, I've kept this secret because some of you folk might think that I'm bragging. But do you know anybody else? Who's seen heaven firsthand and heard heaven firsthand and felt heaven firsthand? He said, set old so-and-so down. He needs to hear this. The one that's been stirring up all the problems. The one who's going to everybody and saying, I love old brother Gene, but. I love Paul, but. He said, I know a man. Notice what he said. I know a man in Christ, and that's important, in Christ. About 14 years ago, he said, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. But one thing for sure, God knows. God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. 
According to the Bible, there's three heavens. The atmosphere, just above our heads. The planets, above the atmosphere. Man has been on the moon, but only Paul has been to heaven. Man need a rocket ship to get to heaven. Paul just needed saved. S-A-V-E-D, saved, and went to heaven. It took man longer to get to the moon than it did Paul to get to heaven. Ain't that nice? Paul said, by the way, is so-and-so listening to this? You know the guy that's got all the credentials from up at Jerusalem? You know the one that Peter and James vindicated that he's straight as a strain? You know the one that's got all the credentials? The Judaizer, the one that says you've got to be circumcised to be saved. You know that guy's causing all the trouble? Ask him what he knows about heaven. Pretty good resume, I'd say. Would you say that's a pretty good resume? No, Paul said, now I hate to do this. I just kept it quite 14 years, but you better sit down. I'm going to hit you with both barrels. Next verse. I knew a man, such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. Caught up in the paradise. I thought Jesus told that thief on the cross. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Isn't that what he said in Luke 23 and 43? Well I'm kind of confused because in Matthew 12 verse 40 it says as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And Jesus just told that thief, today you're going to go with me, we're going to be in paradise. And the Bible said, Paul was caught up into paradise. Contradiction, huh? Interesting, isn't it? Hmm? And then in Luke 16, I thought the rich man was told, remember that in thy lifetime, in thy lifetime, you were blessed and Lazarus was impoverished. But now, Lazarus is being comforted, and you are being tormented. Isn't that strange? I wonder, is paradise down or is paradise up? Jesus said paradise was down. Paul said paradise is up. Ain't that something? Is it possible that paradise has been moved? Because that rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, the conversation goes something like this. Send Lazarus. So evidently the rich man in hell 
saw Lazarus and said, could you please send Lazarus and let him dip his finger in water that he may let it drip on my tormented tongue. So here, the rich man is in hell and he can see Lazarus who saved kind of confusing to me. And Abraham, the father, or God said, that can't happen because between paradise or comforting and hell, there's a great gulf fixed so that no one can go to or come from. So you get the picture now. You got hell where the rich man is. And you got a place of comfort, and there's a great gulf between them, and they can see each other. This one being tormented, this one being comforted. And Jesus said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man must be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Now, was Jesus over here on, in hell or was Jesus over here in comfort? Because in the Old Testament, there's a word that's used, Sheol. In the New Testament, there's a word called Hades in the Greek. But both of them are translated as hell in your King James Bible. You're welcome. Hebrew, hell. Greek, hell. Sheol, Hades. The definition of the word is the place of the dying. The rich man died and went to hell. Hades. Sheol. The place of the dead. The beggar died and went to paradise. The place of the dead. Saved dead. Unsaved dead. In Sheol, in Hades. Ain't it strange that the book of the Revelation says, And whosoever is not found written in the book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire. Not the same place. No, not the same place. She said, How do you know that? It says, And I saw a throne, and he who sat upon it, from whose face the heavens and the earth fled away. And there was found no place for them. And death and hell gave up the dead who were in it. And they were judged out of those things written in those books. And they were judged. And there was a book, the book of life, and another book. And the books were opened. And they were judged out of those things written in those books. 
Hitler don't, didn't get away with it. Mussolini didn't get away with it. Dahmer didn't get away with it. The neighbors spit in your yard didn't get away with it. Because they are going to be judged. And they are going to be cast into the lake of fire. And their punishment is going to be according to their life. There will be degrees of punishment in hell. Hey, what about this crowd over here? What happened to this crowd? Well, I read in Ephesians chapter 4 just today. And it said, in Ephesians, it says, And he ascended upon high. But not that he ascended first, but that he descended first and set captivity captive and gave gifts to men. When Jesus arose from the dead, he moved paradise from the heart of the earth to the presence of God. Those folks are still in Sheol. They're still in Hades waiting for Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. When they stand before the great white throne judgment of God and hear the words, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. And he will summons the angel and say, cast that one into outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus used the word Gehenna almost exclusively. He looked out to the city dump where the fires were burning and they burnt day and night. Whether the people took their trash and their garbage and you know what mills around in garbage. And Jesus said, and used the term Gehenna. Gets the word from the valley of Hinnom, where that the Baal worshippers used to roll their little babies off into the arms of a god called Molech, and screams would be heard all over. And Jesus used the word Gehenna. And that's where we get the lake of fire. That's where we get second death. And when Jesus spoke of Gehenna, every time Jesus spoke of hell, it was Gehenna. Gehenna, the place of everlasting punishment. Jesus spoke of that 12 times. His brother James spoke of it once. And when Jesus talked about hell, it was that spiritual hell. It was that eternal hell. It was that where the fire never, never, never went out and where the maggots never die. Jesus used those terms to describe a place called hell. A place of everlasting punishment. John said, the smoke of their torment 
flies up all forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Glad I'm saved. Amen. Man, I'm glad I'm saved. In fact, I think I'll get saved again tonight just to make sure. Amen now. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's, nothing you, it's nothing you monkey with. I mean, if there's doubt, man, you need to get straightened out. Uh, you, you just need to get straightened out. And, and so uh, Jesus, uh, Paul says, I know a man, uh, Acts 14, verse 19, he was stoned to death outside the walls of Lystra. And, and I want you to know, this is something big, man. A man who loved God so much, was committed to God so much, God thought he'd just let him see a little bit of heaven. And I believe that's a pretty good resume. Something better, though. Notice in verse 5, it's a hard verse for me to understand. I, I want to read it for you. And it really, it really is a hard verse for me to understand. It says, for of such a one, I, such a one will I glory. Yet of myself, I will not glory, but in my infirmities. Paul in one, one says, said that guy I'm talking about in the third person, that, that guy that sent it up and was in heaven, I'll glory with that guy. Paul said, when you get right down to it. I'm not glorying me because I'm nothing. Amen. You know, them are the only kind of guys that God can use. That's right. Those folks who come to the end of themselves and say, I, I'm just, I'm just Amen. nothing. Amen. Uh, but that's when God becomes strong when we realize we're weak. Amen. Somebody would say, well, that person's so strong. No, he isn't. Yeah. No, he, he's really not. Uh, there'll be a time, there'll be a place and then there's just something better than seeing heaven. And that's realizing whatever God has let you see, you're still a nothing. Amen. Just absolutely nothing. Amen. But isn't it wonderful how God can use a nothing? Right. Notice if you would, please. I want, I want to show you something now. Notice verse number uh, uh, 7. For lest I should be exalted above measure... Paul said, you know, I got more degrees than a thermometer. You know, I know preachers right today that you need an appointment to see them. And you got to get by 14 secretaries and 15 security guards to see them. If they're so important that, that you know, they've got associates and associates to do the Mickey Mouse counseling the people. They, they don't have time to talk to anybody but folk down to the city or somebody, Dr. Fudunk at the other seminary. Uh, they have arrived. Right. Honest, they've arrived. But you know, Paul said, God gave me something to keep me from arriving. Paul said, the minute God gave me this, I went outside and rubbed pastor off the parking lot space where that was reserved for me. Unless I should be exalted above measure, 
God gave me a gift. He did. A thorn in the flesh. I wonder just how handicapped Paul was. A thorn in the flesh. I don't know what it was. But I wonder if we had what Paul had. I wonder if we could evangelize the whole Mediterranean seacoast with our handicap. And by the way, he didn't have cruise control or automatic windows. But he single-handed evangelized the whole Mediterranean seacoast. And planted churches in Europe. And because he planted churches in Europe, you and I are saved in America tonight. And some Yehu in the church, (laughs) because he's got a degree in his hand, has convinced all the people in the church that Paul is a loser. That Paul is weak. His appearance is not well. His speech contemptible. But yet, God used him to evangelize. He's the father of the missionary movement of the Christian faith. And old so-and-so came into the church and caused people to doubt Paul. And it's strange what Christians believe and how easy it is to turn them. It happens around here. Who's Wolfenbarger think he is? Oh, he just got started the church. Who's he think he is? He's the guy that's managed the money to keep the doors open and buy all the property. Who's he think he is? Just the one that God put here? Who's he think he is? He's God's mouthpiece and representative to Joshua Baptist Church and to Joshua and to Johnson County. Who does he think he is? He's a nothing. He's an absolute nothing. Just in God's wisdom and God's sovereignty and God's loving grace, he took a Tennessee boy that couldn't make grades in high school. who had to be moved to California where the schools were absolutely sorry And he could have basic math one as a senior. And he could finally manage to graduate. But he was in jail when everybody else was practicing graduation exercises. Who does he think he is? Just a redeemed little sinner that don't deserve God's blessings. Just does not deserve God's blessings. And set in absolute wonder at what God has done in this place. I mean, absolute wonder. Sunday was a miracle. Just go around the country and tell them that your little church down there in Joshua, Texas, that had $127,000 cash offering Sunday. Just, 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 and they run buses. How does bus kids give that much money? It's not us, it's him. It's God. And and we we ought to absolutely, we ought to be thrilled. Uh, You know, we ought to be thrilled to come to this place and how beautiful this place is. And the 
technology that we've got. Dear Lord, we ought not drag in here like dead flies have fallen off of us. We ought to walk in here like zippity doo die, zippity hey. My oh my, what a wonderful day. Amen. Praise God. Paul was thrilled. Next week we'll talk about his thorn and then his thrust.